Hey everybody, it's the spoils of war. The spoils of war, not the spoilers of war. We are unspoiled. We have not watched the leaks. This is a safe space, borrow a term from, you know, modern society, which uh, Westeros doesn't really have. <laughs> There's no safe places in Westeros. It's relative. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us today. And thanks in advance to our chat mods who will bring down the fires of the seven hells on anyone who drops spoilers because we don't want them. The fun part of the process, part of the fun, is week to week engaging on Game of Thrones and talking about it and being at the same point as the majority of everybody else. And you know, it's fun to anticipate and speculate what's coming to bounce ideas off each other. And if we just know, well, in a huge portion of the entertainment and community value gets lost there so. yeah i mean i get that it's hard to resist <laughs> <laughs> but i really do value getting to talk about it on the same wavelength as everybody else i wouldn't want to be sitting here knowing where you know and i'm like ah, i can't talk about it because yeah. you guys don't know and i do so and you it, would incidentally yeah. spoil stuff too just by what you chose to not talk about would give something away so yeah it basically just takes you out of it entirely you know it's it's like being in the loop takes you out of the loop <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite so as usual well i guess it's not usual yet because this is only our second uh edition of the predictions and theories concept episode that we're doing saturday afternoons are a fun time for us to have an episode some of you guys can't make uh during the week so this is a second chance for those of you who can't make it and a second or third opportunity to join us for those who can join during the other stream so some of you guys are getting all sorts of history of westeros action this week and whichever other shows you watch with me, as always, is Sean. Shea is running prediction, uh, predictions. <laughs> Shea is running productions. See where my head is today. And as always, doing a fantastic job. We got a lot of images. We got some stills. And we got some trailer shots. A lot of fun stuff. And I'm Aziz. So I don't say my own name enough. We had a couple of comments recently where someone's like, I don't know your names, but blah, 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 in the YouTube comments. So I guess I should say my name more often. <laughs> Take it for granted that everybody knows who I am. You guys are just like friends and family to me. I don't feel like I have to introduce myself to my friends every time I see them. That's, that's where I'm coming from anyway. So a couple of quick things. Like I said, we don't do shout outs or commercials in general during this episode because we try to get it out as quickly as possible afterwards. So, um, you can super chat though. If you want to jump in with a paid question, you're more than welcome to do that. We'll answer it about as quickly as you ask it. We do have some questions at the end that we've saved from patrons and from people um, that are commenting now. And a lot of those won't make the final podcast. As I said before, got, you know, try to keep it to an, try to keep the actual podcast recording to an hour. But as far as this live stream, we can go an hour and a half, maybe two hours. We'll just see how it goes. And of course, thanks to our chat moderators for helping us in general, and particularly on a day like this, when we have uh, leakers to avoid. <laughs> and thanks to Watchers on the Wall for some of the stills that they've collected, which we are using. We've also taken, you know, our own, using our own frame-by-frame um, -frame shot uh, captures, so some of Ashea's work and some of Watchers on the Wall's. Dana the Dreamy wants to know, is Sean drinking something special? Well, Sean, what do you got today? Well, I think that Coca-Cola is special. Oh, this is just regular little Coke, Coke and ice. Nothing out of the ordinary. We're going, uh, we're going standard today. Mm -hmm. I have my usual Coke and a uh, Coke. God, I just can't <laughs> talk today. Coffee and chocolate syrup is my usual, and it's again just glorious. 
So we have the synopsis for this episode uh, re- released by HBO. We have Daenerys fights back. Okay. Or Jamie faces an unexpected situation. Okay, I think we, we know what that is from the trailers. It's maybe not so unexpected. The trailers have really given it away. Bronn's going to hit on him? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, that's right. Um, Jamie and Bronn explore a new, an unexpected relationship. <laughs> and Arya comes home. Okay, so we kind of, that we can sort of pat ourselves on the back for that. We predicted that Bran and then Arya would happen, and apparently it's happening exactly in that order in back-to-back episodes. There's no hint of the Brotherhood. Or Sam, still no word of Gendry. We may hear about the Unsullied, but there's no shots of them. And there's no hints of Euron in this episode. I mean, he might be, that he's pretty sneaky like that. <laughs> but there's less room for non-trailer scenes than usual, because this is only a 50-minute episode. It's the shortest episode, I think, ever of Game of Thrones, which is funny, because it also has this season also has the two longest episodes of Game of Thrones ever. Uh, that's episode six and seven. So this is um, a funny halfway point in the season here that's uh, a little unusual. Well, one thing I will say, I haven't, I've, you know, I've managed to avoid people people's comments on the leaks, although I have, the people who have watched it have said they really liked it. So that's an unspoilery leak. That's about as far as I'm willing to go on the leaks. So that's good, though. I like that much. That's That's happy. So let's start in the north where it's clear there's going to be several scenes and this first shot of Shea is going to pull up is just, wow, it's beautiful, right? This is Arya on horseback, seeing Snowy Winterfell, pretty unambiguous thing happening here. Arya returning home, no sneakiness, at least nothing obviously sneaky about this. What do you think is going to happen when Arya gets to Winterfell? What do you think people's reactions are going to be? Because, you know, when Bran got there, it was Bran and Sansa. Now, it's... Both of them for Arya, plus a few other people. She knows Brienne, and you know she at least has heard of Littlefinger. I don't know how much you know she knows about him in general, but a lot of a lot of different interactions are possible here. I think Arya might be Bran's interpreter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a little closer to you know she won't be as put off. But both maybe some mystical elements she's been a witness to, and mystical speech she's been a part of in the yeah. house of the black I mean, and white. Right when the way she reacted to Hot Pie was a little bit. You know, aloof. Huh. Aloof, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe that's similar. She, yeah, she probably can understand what he's going through more. And I'm wondering, wondering what Bran will say to her. Because, you know, when Bran first saw Dollar's head, he was like, I saw you with the fist of the first men. And when he first sees Sansa, he's like, I saw your wedding. What's he going to say to Arya? Like, I saw you murder people. I saw you with different faces. Like, something, something potentially very creepy. <laughs> but I can't wait to find out. I saw you catch a pigeon. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you see father die. Oh. <laughs> There's, a, again, a lot of shots from this, this uh, from Winterfell. We've got a shot. We're not going to post all these shots because there's so many of them, but there was a shot of Sansa sitting behind a table. Lots of paperwork. Looks like she's busy, you know. And then it looks like she's her head kind of sinks when some people come in and say something to her. Maybe it's news of Arya arriving or she hears of some other news or just something to do with all the work she's doing, like just more and more and more piling on. It's possible she gets some sort of bad news, like... It, especially because from the original trailers, we see a scene of John fighting someone who seems to not be a zombie. You know, yeah. someone who looks northern. Maybe some of the houses are refusing to send grain in or something like that. We have a super chat from Chernobyl Lime. What do you think Daenerys will do after she finds out she lost Highgarden? What do you think Cersei's next move is? Okay, when she finds out she lost Highgarden, I think she's going to despair a little bit. You know, there's a line from the trailer very clearly it says all my allies are gone <laughs> so i think she's going to push harder to get john involved and that might mean 
being less pushy about making him kneel because she's no longer negotiating from a point of strength. She's now like, hey, I need you now. Before, And that's what John said when he first got there. He's like, we need each other. And she then was like, nah, nah, nah. You need me and I don't need you. But now that's not really true, is it? I think that, uh, not to take away from anything you said, but I think she's just going to get in her dragon and fly out there and burn things up. I think that she's just going to like push off. I, I think she might still be in I don't need you. You know, mm. I don't need anyone. All I need is this TV remote control and this lamp. That's <laughs> a nice <laughs> jerk reference there. Yes, yes, good one. <laughs> that she's just going to go be the dragon Elena told her to be and be damned Tyrion's advice or John's help. Right on. Cersei's next move, I wonder about that. We'll talk about that a little more later in the episode, but I think in the short term, I think it's a big mystery whether or not Cersei will find out that this battle that we're going to be discussing is what's poised to happen here on the somewhere in between Highgarden and King's Landing that the trailers are very, that show us a lot about. Um, it's a mystery whether or not Cersei's going to find out the result of that battle. Like, I kind of would assume Danny's going to win this battle, but I don't, I don't know for sure. And if she does if she does lose or if Danny does win rather then the the range of reactions for Cersei is huge depending on how bad the loss is like if Jamie dies then Cersei's gonna be maybe half broken you know she'll certainly have to get over that and that won't just be something she can do in one episode because you know Jamie means more to her than anything especially with all her children gone that's the one thing she has left uh, so as far as the personal side I, so it's really the range of possibilities are really wide it just really depends on what happens and whether Cersei finds out or whether that happens next episode. Yeah, I can imagine the battle being the final moment of the episode and so we don't get to see Cersei's reaction. I kind of anticipate Cersei, you know, in all her confidence, we have an image of her talking to Tycho in here, uh, you know, explaining her big plans and it's going to work out and giving him confidence. But then at the end of it, her plan's falling apart. Kind of like Danny's had these big plans and they fell apart. <laughs> but I, I I suspect we won't actually see it till the next episode. Um, okay, if it does happen this episode, too, yeah. maybe it happens right in the beginning, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure. I also wonder how broken Cersei might be. I wonder if, I could just imagine her, however broken she is, or seems to be, or claims to be, keeping it, holding it in. Like, yeah. Mm, Alright, Jamie's gone, move on, you know, like, in the same way she did with Tom, and she just doesn't want to talk about it, she barely acknowledges it. She, also, it might make it easier for her to move forward with Euron. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's again, true at least probably something we won't see in this very episode but i'm kind of guessing that jamie doesn't die he right. might get captured or beaten or something like that or turn sides yeah something <laughs> like that but i'm not i kind of doubt it'll be just his death i kind of feel like as much as i don't want to talk about leaks if jamie died the leakers wouldn't be able to contain he wouldn't themselves. have held it back yeah <laughs> people yeah. would have, i feel like i would have been spoiled on that so yeah. that's a meta reason to think that jamie's like plus just he's jamie right like yeah. nikolai they wouldn't i don't know if they're gonna have him die like that he's a central character they seem to still be developing yeah. although people might have said that about ned stark too so that's true super uh, chat from perry it looks like uh, from mexico well thanks perry i don't see a question attached to shea we'll keep an eye out for it yeah so let's let's go back to the north here there's more shots of Podrick and Brienne doing their thing. Like, Podrick hits the ground. It's pretty clear it's more training. But from a non-U.S. trailer, I think it was Sky Atlantic, I, we couldn't get a clear image of it because it was poor quality, but it's very clear what's happening. Brienne is dueling Arya. And it appears that the trailer shot that a lot of people pointed to where Brienne is bringing her sword down in a wicked arc. People thought maybe she's beheading someone. That's not her sword. It's a practice sword. I could, you could get a close look at the hilt. And I think this is just her fighting Arya. And of course, it's not a real fight. But in that trailer, Arya 
wins easily. She's got the smirk. She's got her blade right at Brienne's neck right after Brienne like takes this big swing and Arya just easily dodges it. And, and next thing you know, and that uh, that's going to be interesting between Sansa and Arya because Ar- that's Brienne is Sansa's protector. And mm-hmm. if Arya is just this little girl that just like owns Brienne in front of everybody, the same person that people know, I mean... She's been informed that Brienne defeated the Hound. Yeah. <laughs> and Arya's like, I can do this and this. And it's like, that's going to be... For Sansa, she's like, all my my brother and sister have returned and they're both crazy <laughs> powerful. What is going on here? <laughs> so I don't know how she's going to handle that. But I think for her, it's going to be the most difficult. Because not only is she in charge, she's got a lot of work to do. But her siblings are like, what? <laughs> what is going on with them so that's really I, I, it's really hard to predict how she's going to react to it but I can't imagine she's going to be all smiles and giggles about it it's it's too creepy and weird and, and just she never had a great relationship with Ari in the first place either I can imagine them butting heads a little bit where where Sansa's a little bit more specifically in charge of Arya right if she's queen of the north or mm-hmm. I don't even know if they would officially call her queen of the north right now just because she's temporarily there because of John. but regardless it's not just that she's the older sister. She's the Stark in Winterfell right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like we have about 400 people in the chat. Nice. Thanks, people. That's awesome. We appreciate you all joining us here on a Saturday. I'm taking a guess that Arya would be, will be pleased to find out that the little girls at Winterfell are training. You know, I think that might be a plus for her. She Maybe she'll even help. You know, that yeah. would be a cool thing for her to help. She certainly would have some pointers to give. Half pointers. <laughs> Pun intended. That's probably even what leads to her... Sparring with Brienne. It might be. That's a good point. Yeah. It also is going to prove to Brienne that Arya did not need her help. She's like, see, (laughs) I didn't need your protection. (laughs) You maybe need my protection. (laughs) Now go to the house of black and white and then we'll see what's up, Brienne. (laughs) I don't know how likely this is, but it really would be neat to set up Sandor showing up at Winterfell if Sansa, Brienne, and Arya are all there together and he shows up. That that would be a lot of ways that interaction could go. I hope... It would be positive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would really love to see that. I kind of, it feels like it might be too much for this episode, but, you know, like I said, there's always things that aren't in the trailer. Yeah, I don't expect it this episode. I wouldn't wouldn't be upset, but I don't expect it this episode. Yeah, of course, we also talk about the possibility that they don't go to Winterfell. They go straight to Eastwatch, which I kind of don't, I kind of think they'd want to stop at Winterfell, but you never know. You never know. Super chat from Jason Smith. Thank you, Jason. I don't see a question here. Ashay will keep an eye out for it. If you intended to submit a question, certainly we will get you taken care of if that's the case. In the meantime, um, the thing that Arya is perhaps more likely to help with is this Littlefinger situation, which looks like it might be coming to a head given this trailer shot of, of that Ashay is going to pull up of him drawing the dagger. I mean, that's the dagger. That's the cat's paw dagger, and that is absolutely him. You can tell by the yellow trim on his sleeves, which is visible in other spots. It's been corroborated multiple times. Rings that he wears. Yeah, it's just very clearly him. There's another shot of him, just of his face kind of turning to one side. It's not very revealing. Um, In this shot, though, the main one, you can see there's like some log, a pile of logs in the background, which kind of, to me, indicates he's, it seems like there's a wall. It seems like he's indoors, which doesn't tell us a whole lot. So he seems like the the, the popular theory is that he's going for Maester Walken or Bran. And obviously, if he does either of those things, Arya is somebody that could interfere or more than interfere, just flat out kill him, you know. And it's difficult to predict, but... If he's drawn that dagger, I mean, maybe it's a trick. Maybe he's just like, hey, I'm going to look at the dagger. Here it is. And then he puts it away. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's handing it over to someone or demonstrating something. It seems really out there to me for Littlefinger to stab someone with a dagger. Right? You know? Doesn't something a little Hire a henchman to do it. He literally is going to get his hands bloody. A mess. It's like a, a, a messy, violent, obvious thing. 
that's just not Littlefinger at all. It's just not his MO in any way. So I'm not I'm not buying it. I'm not sure what is happening, but I'm not buying it. I can see him being motivated to take out Bran. I can see him maybe being motivated to go out to the mine. But I can't see him doing it personally with a dagger. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm not buying it. It is the cat's paw dagger. Maybe he finds a new cat's paw. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I, fi- I figure it's more likely to be Bran than, than Maester Wolken, but both are possible. Uh, we've, we've really thought about that whole... What letter would Littlefinger be interested in and why? And it's still a vast <laughs> range of possibilities. Yeah. A lot of people have cast some doubt on why he would even care about Lysa's letter. And we covered the, the extra detail with that and showed on Wednesday, we showed why there's almost certainly not a copy of that letter, but Littlefinger might think there is. So it's very confusing because there's so many different possibilities. So it's kind of hard to get too deep into. I like some suggestions I've seen that are kind of cool involve... Littlefinger finding out something, maybe some correspond- a correspondence from Rhaegar, or you know, maybe the summons, the, something interesting that's not necessarily interesting for Littlefinger, but something interesting to us, like the summons from the Mad King sent to Rickard to come down and answer yeah. for Brandon. Something cool like that, but why would Littlefinger care about any of that? I don't know. There's just a lot of cool ideas that have come out from this thought exercise, but none of them are like, oh yeah, but that's it. Because it might just be something he wants information on. I really don't know. So if you guys have ideas, feel free to send them at us. But, you know, in about uh, 31 hours or so, we'll probably know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no actual shots of Bran in the trailers. That's kind of interesting to me, but it seems almost impossible that Bran's not in this episode. But with Arya arriving and all, what do they do? Not have Arya and Bran interact? That seems, like, almost impossible to me. Let me, let me pose a thought here. Okay. One thing there might be a lot of that they would not put in the trailers is Bran flashbacks. Or visions otherwise. Which could, yeah. That might take up a lot of time in this episode, and it would be stuff that they wouldn't want to put in trailers, and it would be a way for Bran to be in the episode without seeing his face necessarily in a trailer. And it might also lead to something with Littlefinger and that dagger. Mm, Yeah. So maybe some of what we've seen in the trailer is actually a flashback. Or, or a vision. Didn't even occur to me until just now, but maybe even the scene of that dagger being pulled. That's maybe Bran seeing a vision of Littlefinger handing that dagger over to the assassin. Or maybe it's the future. Maybe he's seeing it in the future. We have, we, there's less, you know, because it's becoming more and more clear that what Bran saw in the opener of the first episode of the walkers, you know, um, hasn't happened yet. Or, or it's not them beyond the wall. Because... If they've been in beyond the wall for four episodes, or come on, guys, what, yeah, yeah, <laughs> show us that. <laughs> be a little off. Also, Sandor said he saw them. Well, I guess and he didn't say like, I see the zombies at Eastwatch. Yeah, he, he didn't exactly yeah. say that, but he described a series of images that might imply that he had seen them there. If that was the case, seems like it must be a future vision, also. Yeah. So another thing about Arya to say as well, since Bran is kind of hard to figure at this point, not that Arya isn't, <laughs> but we've got some, at least got a few possibilities that make sense for her. Dealing with Littlefinger maybe is something. She's going to be dealing with Brienne for sure. Probably Podrick as well, given their connection. Not Arya and Podrick, but Brienne and Podrick. And, you know, this, this things that she's been seeing lately, you know, meeting Hot Pie, encountering the Lannister guards who she were, you know, saw as humans, and then Nymeria, and now home. So all these things that are maybe stirring her humanity in new and interesting ways and maybe kind of bringing her back to who she is. So she might be this really interesting combination of highly capable assassin, but also regaining some of who she was. And that's really hard to predict of how that's going to go, but very interesting, I think, very compelling. 
with Maisie Williams as the actress and her capabilities, they have a lot of possibilities just with that in mind as well. You know, I wonder if you could draw a parallel to Arya and John. John a little bit more literally died, but in a way, Arya gave up who she was temporarily. She gave up her name, she yes. threw her sword away, you know, and now she's coming back. And when John came back, he came back with a little less ambition. Arya still seemed hellbent on revenge. Like mm. maybe she didn't really die, give up who she was in the first place. But she got a taste of it, and it's and it's like, you know, it's almost like a cliche, but it's not like now she's happy. You know what I mean? Like maybe she had this moment of joy and satisfying her revenge. But she seems to be longing for home, you know, that like you were yes. saying, like seeing these Lannister soldiers in a different light, seeing her old friend heading home. She might go back to old Arya, especially if there's an entirely different cause to worry about. <laughs> you know, like even aside from the White Walkers coming, winter is coming. That's like a legit concern. No one's going to be running around fighting, getting revenge or whatever when everyone's buried under snow, starving half to death. Right? That's that's potential conflict for Sansa and Arya. If Sansa's got to be doing all this work and and you know helping save the North from winter, and Arya's just dueling Bran in the practice yard or something, she might be a little resentful of that. You know, I, I'm just trying to come up with random things for them to be you know uh, uh, to not be on the same page about. And of course, Littlefinger in the mix. He could push that angle. He's can maybe if he wants to yeah. try to divide Sansa and Bran, maybe tries to divide Sansa and Arya. And I think back to George's original plan for A Song of Ice and Fire back in 1993. He originally planned to have Sansa have Joffrey's child, and that be her big like, well, who, what side am I on? You know, to, where her loyalties lie. Right. right, and so Sansa's always the Sansa's arc has always contained this, which side am I really on thing. Now, of course, she's not going to play for Cersei or something here, <laughs> but she may have differences with her family, and Littlefinger, of course, is there to point those differences out and, you know, find those cracks and, and make them larger. I wonder if Arya would be willing to demonstrate her power, especially if taking someone else's face on might require killing them. <laughs> it might be harder to do, but imagine if she showed Sansa, like, Check this out. If she shows up as some other character, then tears her face off, and Sansa's like, whoa, you really, how did, what's going on? She's like, look, if you want, I can go spy on Littlefinger. I can find something out or whatever, you know. We've got a super chat from Sir Guinness of Buckhead. Thanks, Joey. He he says, I want a zombie dragon, Sindragosa. Tree fitty. <laughs> <laughs> Tree fitty dragon, right on. <laughs> good one, good one. Um, yeah, so I, I think... The North right now is because this is these are character stories that almost that often makes them more harder to predict. Like you can, you, if there's a big battle going to happen, maybe you can't predict who's going to die. But a lot of times for for uh, story reasons, you can tell who's kind of going to win. Like we're predicting Danny's going to win this battle, but I got no idea like what Bran's going to say to Arya, <laughs> what Arya's going to say to Sansa. Like that's just like man, there's a lot of possibilities here. No one has any idea what Bran's going to say to. You know, oh wait. Only Jaden Smith has any idea what Bran's going to say to anyone. Plus all the people who watch the leaks. <laughs> but it's not just going to be this episode. I mean, this, this isn't... Bran Arya isn't going to be covered in one episode and that's it, right, right? I think there'll be episode five and maybe six and seven as well. There'll be more Bran Arya and Bran Sansa and Sansa Bran and all those combinations of Stark. Uh, well, they're not really children anymore, are they? On one hand, imagine <laughs> Jon's return. <laughs> yeah, he's like, Gee, everybody's here now. Yeah. Damn. Go away for one day. <laughs> but also imagine what maybe it's more likely he doesn't return. He has to go straight to Eastwatch or something Ooh. else happens and he doesn't get to get back and Bad see. things happening too quickly for him to get to Winterfell. Yeah. That's when they could. That's when the timing will matter. 
A super chat from Prince Iscanius. Cool name, by the way. I don't see a, ch uh, a question attached. Um, we'll keep an eye out for that. If you had a question, we will grab it later. You know, Joey's comment earlier, it was something that I, I had thought of I haven't talked about yet, though. Is it? I think some people have speculated there will be a zombie dragon. And I think that speculation comes from the idea that a dragon will die and the White Walkers will raise them. But how many dragons have there been in the past? Like the White Walkers mm -hmm. can bring back elephants and horses and giants. Yeah. What if there's just a dead dragon in the north already that they bring back? And would it, would it breathe fire? Would it breathe, breathe ice? ice or... I don't know if that's in a budget. Would I don't think need that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is a neat thought. It would be, I don't know, a lot of people would be excited to see that, whether or not they do it at all. If they did do it, probably not till next season. Or yeah, I think but... an yeah, a season eight undead dragon that would really, really like a total like climactic climax, like yeah. final epic climax thing. Yeah, that's not a that's not a uh, earlier season kind of deal. I, I I think there's a chance for that for sure. I, I really do. I think um, that would be it's a kind of a I don't want to say obvious idea, but it is kind of obvious if you really think about it. Like they can bring back the dead. Dragon dies. Like, yeah, I mean we've already seen the giants. You know yeah. that's just kind of a natural progression. Undead giants, undead dragons. <laughs> what if we get like an undead direwolf? What if summer comes Ooh, marching through? Oh, wow. Like, oh, people <laughs> will cry. Maybe self included. Yeah. <laughs> Bran as well. Oof, harsh. And we've already yeah we certainly wondered if we would see you know Hodor's body walking around. Um, ugh. There are definitely some mean things they could do to us. <laughs> there are some very mean. Yeah, you're you're right. They they definitely just. We've put ourselves in their hands, <laughs> and we're just trusting that they not uh, give us too much pain. Let's go ahead and move on to King's Landing, where we have what I'm calling the Mad Queen and the Iron Banker. <laughs> and Shay is going to pull up an image here. This is nothing new, so to speak. We've seen this cool painted floor before, but it's awesome. One little detail here that I want to point out, though, Cersei's... Got that glass of wine again. It's full. It's the middle of the day. I think this is an intentional, subtle thing that Cersei's feeling her power. She's feeling really confident. She's really confident in Jamie. She thinks she's got this awesome plan. And it is a pretty nice plan. It's I don't know if it's going to work. But considering how caught off guard we all were by it and how well it's gone in the, in the early parts, she's got reason to be confident. But I think she might be overconfident. And when she's overconfident, she gets a little like you know, power corrupting, you know, and drinking and all this stuff. And I think that's a part of where she's going. Cersei's got Kyburn, Jamie, and the Mountain. That's her A-team. <laughs> she loves it when a plan comes together. <laughs> but maybe she's a little early, huh? Mama loves the grape. Let her live, as he said. <laughs> Someone said, Javo says, or Havo, thank you for that. Yes, that's true. I think it, uh, it gives her cheeks a little color, you know? <laughs> and with wearing black. You know, yeah. you got to have a little color to balance that out. <laughs> so I don't know what to say about this scene other than Cersei's just kind of bragging about how well things are going to go. Maybe they won't actually go so well. As we talked, thanks to the Super Chatter earlier, we talked about the difficulty in predicting this because we don't know. Well, first of all, assuming Danny wins this battle, whether or not Cersei finds out about it in this episode, given the episode is short. I'm guessing no. I'm guessing she doesn't find out something. That's, that's kind of how they tend to do things, too. You tend to have the battle, and then that's the end of the episode. And then the next episode is where the aftermath comes and the reactions. So I feel like they can always change it up. They could fool us. But given the shortness of the episode, it feels like a safe prediction for that. It is worth noting a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say this, uh, standard 
elements of format are kind of out the window. They've definitely changed up exactly how they're doing things quite a bit in general, but this season specifically. Super chat from Kale Hansen, fellow punster. Hi, Kale. I wonder if we'll see in the show some more conflict in Winterfell with the other holds bringing their supplies and grain and the influx of those people and the issues therein. That's a great call. There was foreshadowing for that when Sansa talking about how they need to bring the grain in and tell people, hey, we're taking this grain. We'll give it back if you don't need it. But if people are going to come here, if we're going to be the center of defense, we need the food. And yeah, I can agree. I can see how that might cause some conflict. People might not be happy with giving up some of their grain and they may be not wanting to take orders from Sansa. It's possible that's a conflict. Possible that, like he says, just some of these other lords showing up could bring conflict. Like you got too many talking heads or too many like powerful people in one place and they start to argue and disagree and go stir crazy from being cooped up and things like that a lot of possibilities some yeah of that some of that thinking applies to the thraki as well but we'll get to that <laughs> sansa might stand up in a bunch of in front of people and make some directive and so i might challenge her publicly do something like that? <laughs> <laughs> interrupting her in the middle undermining her yeah who would do that no that's 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 that that is a good point but it's it's I think there's that possibility is absolutely there. Although, you know, with the limited amount of time, I wonder if they're going to do that. And if they do, I don't know that it'll happen this episode. But I do think that's a great idea for conflict, especially if John is going to be gone and running around, you know, near Eastwatch or something later. Sansa will be kind of the head at Winterfell for a while, and she needs things to do other than deal with Littlefinger. Um, that then that and and of course welcome back her family as well. That was one thing I sort of assumed from last episode that during last episode I don't know how to say this. I, I thought John was going to go to Dragonstone and come right back. Yeah, you know. But I started to realize both how things went at Dragonstone and just kind of taking a look at how things going. That's probably not it. Sansa's probably not just going to be in charge for one scene and then John comes back. She's going to get a stint there and John's probably going to take some time to fall in love with Danny or whatever. You know? <laughs> and uh, they're going to be mining this dragon glass. You know, she said, like, you can mine the dragon glass, forge weapons from them. I'll give you the men and resources you need. That's not one scene. That might be multiple episodes. And yeah. in the meantime, Danny needs a military advisor. Danny and John need to bond. So that gives Sansa more time to take a leadership role or face conflict in Winterfell, et cetera, et cetera. That's a very good point. Another super chat from Jorge Chipote. Thanks, Jorge. I hope I said your name right. Who do you think will become Danny's military advisor? She badly needs it. I agree with that. Jorah, John, or who else could it be? Otherwise, she's not going to even survive. I think Jorah primarily, but John is going to matter because he's there right now and Jorah isn't. Davos also in a short sure. term. Yeah, you're right. Davos as well. Davos maybe through John, maybe indirectly. But yeah, um, and you're right, she does badly need it. And I wonder if this battle, if this is going to be something she takes advice on, if she's like, no, it's time for me to do like Olena said, and I'm going to just go in there and, you know, kick everyone's butt, bring in my Dothraki, and then we'll see what's up. I wonder if it's also possible that some other characters that have been primary, secondary, tertiary, quartiary, what's <laughs> I don't know what the term is, uh, characters that we've seen here and there, but haven't been significant at all but i feel like they do they are showing us that that uh ironborn character that pulled theon out of the water we've yeah. seen him before yeah maybe he'll maybe the the boats will show back up a dragonstone with theon and this guy and he'll become a new military advisor in yara's mm. absence for the navy or whatever and maybe that guy that uh we had seen in the past of danny that dothraki that now seems to be one of her lead dothraki I don't know, leaders or whatever. Maybe he'll become more an advisor too, especially if we see the Dothraki in action. Maybe they'll feature him as a captain or whatever. Victor Bergen says, Danny's military situation would not be so horrible if we still had Barristan. Uh, we said the same thing. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I think that in retrospect, maybe is exactly why they killed him because they wanted 
this to be difficult. And they needed be... Danny to have a dilemma. They need her to struggle. She can't just walk through Westeros. A lot of what's happening in the season makes sense to me because I remember last season thinking it's too easy. You know, she just has, <laughs> she has all the armies. Cersei has none of the armies. What's the challenge going to be? Where are they going to? Where's the conflict going to come from? And so we're seeing it. We're yeah. seeing Danny doesn't have good military advisors. Cersei is turning the tables as far as the military goes. So. We could have maybe even seen that coming because we we maybe didn't see. It was clever of them to remove her strongest military people, Jorah and Barristan, in the way they did. And we maybe were kind of confused about because they still had Grey Worm and Tyrion. So we kind of maybe. You know, it was it was masked. But eh, good job, show. They they tricked us well, that one. Super chat from Norma. How do you think Jorah and John will get along? Thanks, Norma. Well, we talked about in the previous episode. We talked about how Jorah has a maybe has a lot of cause to be jealous of John. Yeah. First of all, he's done everything Jorah's done, but better in a lot of ways. Like he's got you know, the North, he's got Jorah's sword. <laughs> Jorah got grayscale, but John has died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just suffered more. And now and now Danny has, like, reason to hook up with him. Maybe not to, like, fall for him, but to have a political alliance, political marriage, something like that. So I can see Jorah being a little jealous. Plus, he hates Ned Stark, and that's Ned Stark's child. Well, we know it's probably not Ned Stark's child, but Jorah doesn't know that. Ned, J- John doesn't even know that. Is Ned Stark the one that banished him for slavery? Right? He, he's expressed disdain for Ned. He's like, because of his precious honor, you know, he's like, dude, you were slaving. Come on. Yeah, you yeah. totally broke a longstanding law and slavery is awful anyway, you know. Let's, may have let's be real here, buddy. Jorah may, may be harder for him to be mad at a man that was executed unjustly and he may have come to terms with his own sins. And it's, it's possible. Might even be a chance to... And it's, he might have a certain respect for John. I, I, own, could, I could see it going either way. I could see them being at odds with each other, but I could also see them like immediately teaming up. It's kind of like yeah, the fact that he thought he was himself was going to die. Like Jorah had already made peace with his own death. That has tends to change people. Yeah. I mean, not that I can speak from experience, but it tends to have a pretty deep effect on people. Princess Scanius again, another super chat. I still don't see a question. Hopefully uh, you get that in there if that's what you're trying to do, but we appreciate it. We have... A shot here that Ashea is going to pull up. John with a torch. Danny and Masande are behind. Now this seems to confirm the Obsidian Mine. This seems pretty straightforward. I yeah. think there maybe there's not a whole lot of a whole lot to say here. They're just getting the work underway. You know, it looks it's a cool trailer shot. He's carrying a torch. They're inside a cave, but it's it seems to be just this is the Obsidian Mine, and they're checking it out. Might be cool on the inside, but. I don't feel like there's a lot to say about this. This is kind of progressing the way we thought it would so far. Like, we don't know what they're going to do. Once they actually have the obsidian weapons, how they're going to deploy them and use them, that's I'm very curious about, but it doesn't seem like we're there yet. Maybe Gendry will be the obsidian blacksmith. He'll find some way to yeah. weave obsidian into the weapons or something I've like seen that, that prediction out there, and I really like it. Okay, so here's the question from Prince Iscanius. We got that in here. Thanks, Ashea. Aren't the Westerlands still full of gold? For instance, the flooded mines of Castamir. Well, in book canon, Castamir's mines are are empty as well. So the Castle Rocks mines are not. So it's kind of hard to say. We haven't heard about any Westerlands that are mines that are still active. You would think that there are some though. Like in the books there certainly are. It would be kind of crazy for the show to declare that the entire Westerlands are devoid of all gold now. There's no active mines anywhere. But I suppose they can say that Casterly Rocks mines would have been more accessible to, to the Unsullied, whereas if these are just Westerlands mines just out there, it wouldn't be so easy for the Unsullied just to go grab them and make use of that or, or something. I don't think it's crazy for them to be out of gold either. Realistically, even if there were gold in them, there's a certain cost to getting the gold out, yes, right? So yes. it has to be not just gold in there, but enough gold to be worth the effort of mining it. And in modern times, 
most mines are out of what you might think of as gold. Like some guy with an axe hammering out a hunk of wall and finding a piece of gold. There's none of that probably in the world anymore. Yeah. It's all like particles of gold that are mixed into iron or whatever that gets melted, melted and, and burned and separated in the chemical processes and so on else. So additionally, you know, the golds of San Francisco in America, the mines there that have been mined out. We did that in like 200 years. How old are the mines in thousands in, of right? years? So yeah, yeah. I think it's very reasonable for the gold to be gone. Right on, right on. That does, that's true. That's a good point. We have here's a comment from Matthew Brown saying a mine collapse leaves Cersei queen. You can stick out John End. <laughs> good comment. That's hilarious. I don't think that's where they're going. <laughs> that would be a big surprise, wouldn't it? That'd be the biggest surprise of all time in the sh- for, for just about any TV show ever. <laughs> yep, John and Danny just dead. Nope, no ambiguity. Just see their bodies just twisted and broken. Like, ah, they're totally dead. Yeah, the dragon stone just sinks into the water. The whole <laughs> castle, everything. And then it explodes underwater. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so another thing that uh, is maybe more likely to happen is John might get the Dothraki's perspective mm-hmm. on Danny. That was something that uh, who who was it? Was it Danny that told someone? Told John? Ask them. Ask them what they think of. And we may see him do that. We may see some interesting conversations between Davos and John and different Dothraki soldiers. Now here's a, a couple of things that we got from YouTube commenters ahead of the episode that I thought were worth mentioning. Commenter Churos mentions that Tyrion did bring up John going Lord Commander to King of the North. It was, but John kind of dodged the question. People were wondering why that was not brought up and apparently it was and i just went right over my head too it was apparently just one sentence that somehow i missed i guess you did too <laughs> but apparently uh churros did not so good catch good catch also from sir clint a lot danny said rhaegar was good at killing then barrison said rhaegar never enjoyed killing yeah. ah great parallel good catch good catch that's of course in relation to we all enjoy what we're good at and john says i don't of course john takes after his Father that he still doesn't know his father. He doesn't enjoy it. Yes. Super chat from Rob Normandin. Why do you guys think Varus now knows literally nothing when he used to know everyone's movement? But Kyburn is a scientist and crazy good master of whispers. I totally agree. This is, he doesn't have much, he's not doing much right now. Well, you almost answered the question right there. Kyburn's got his little birds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's, he stole he's, them all. he's lost yeah. a lot of his infrastructure. He hasn't been in King's Landing forever. He's been on another continent. He's been on this mission to gather armies for, he can only do so much. Like, sure, before he knew everything. But before he wasn't masterminding multiple armies across continents. You know what I'm saying? So, Mm. I think it's reasonable for him to be less in touch with his spy network than he used to be. That's a very good point. And still, though, it does fuel the, like, what is Varus doing? What is he, you know, what is he, what's his role right now? And it just fuels the, "Mm, he might be disloyal. You know, this might be some sneaky thing. I don't know. I Still, I'm just like, who would he possibly flip to? I just don't see who that would be. But if, you know, it's still just... He's not doing anything. <laughs> I have some thoughts on Varys. We can answer the super chat first, maybe? No, keep going. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll catch we'll that just make a second. Sure to go Jason that. Smith, okay. we'll get to your super chat in just a moment. Um, so I think it's possible that Varys... It, I, I wasn't buying it at all at first, but the more I stew on it, I feel like some of the some of the lines and shots they've given us, you know, maybe they're red herrings, but it seems like down the road, if we find out that Varys was betraying Danny and working with Cersei, we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah, of course, it's obvious, you know. If it doesn't happen, well, then we'll, like, we knew that it wasn't where they were going with this. <laughs> uh, we knew. No. We knew it all. <clears throat> but it could be. <clears throat> the, the, the thing that makes me suspicious of this is that 
What's his motivation? Why would he do this? Well, there might be an Going answer to that the too. People, yeah, common people. He doesn't like the lore religion, right? He has, and Danny's teamed up with him. Yeah, and so and Mel's gone off to like do something, and if that yeah. bring involve bring involves bringing more like lore into the picture, then yeah, Varus won't like that. So maybe Varus is keeping his options open, and he doesn't like he didn't like Robert for reasons X, Y, Z. Well, okay, maybe this Danny girl. She could just go down, I, not the I, same path, yeah, but the path that... I don't, he doesn't you know. like Cersei for reasons X, Y, Z. He's just, he's looking out there for who he thinks is going to be the best leader. He's not Gendry. necessarily... <laughs> yeah. Gendry! He's not necessarily evil. <laughs> he Maybe you could call him disloyal, but he has legitimate reasons to be... He could legitimately be a man of the people, right? Yeah, yeah. And if Danny's going to just go burn everyone up with the dragons, all right, hold on, I'm not sure I want to be on this team, you know? Will he tell her that? Danny said, look, if you think I'm doing the wrong thing, you tell me. Mm. Is he going to tell her? If he tells her, will she listen? If he tells her and she doesn't listen, is it reasonable for him to be like, all right, fine, yeah, I'm going yeah, to yeah. help Cersei now. Totally. Um, yeah, and it's what's interesting there is, I, I, th- I throw out the joke there about Gendry, but hey, there, you know, in the Dance of the Dragons, there was a blacksmith dragon rider who tried to claim the crown. He didn't oh. last very long. Hugh, hard Hugh Hammer. Full parallel there. Um Here's a super chat from Jason Smith. I'm wondering how it will affect Tyrion's loyalty if he sees Daenerys Targaryen use dragons on common Lannister soldiers like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> yeah, and Varys as well. Like, yeah, they're not going to... I mean, soldiers got to die in war. I don't know if Tyrion is going to shed too many tears for them, but he's not going to love it if she's just, you know, burning soldiers who are just fighting for the Lord they have to fight for. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to turn him against her or to... Maybe not, but what if it starts with burning soldiers... And then she burns King's Landing, mm, where there are yeah. innocents. It could be something that at first he's like, hey, that makes me kind of uncomfortable, but I'll go with it. And then it gets worse and worse. And then he's like, then he's got to say something. And Varus might be right there with him. Yeah, that could be some sort of building conflict down the line. I could I could see that. I think on the surface, Danny's character is a protagonist of the show, if not a hero. But yeah. I think that fans that are deeper into it, there's a more of a split. Mm-hmm. And some people were suspicious of her, myself included by her. Some people were suspicious of her and her, even if maybe her motivations aren't evil, they're definitely selfish. She yes. just wants to be queen. She wants to be in charge. It's not like she has this mission. Now, as she gains power and gains perspective on the world, she'll want to free slaves and so on. But she also, you know, can be short-sighted and short-tempered and power-hungry. And I'm sure Ares didn't start off, you know, wanting to, just to murder people randomly on some level. He, he was, started he was, off. He was good. Wanted started to be off a good, just yeah. leader, right? So, and I could see that be a challenge of Don, of John, who does seem to be motivated a little bit more legitimately to help the people, and maybe more obviously than Varus, right? Varus is doing it in a more tricky way. John's doing it in a more forthright way. And if John finds himself stuck between the Night King and Danny, and they're both trying to destroy the innocence of Westeros, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um. Okay, so we got another shot coming up here. Shay's gonna pull us this really beautiful. This is all the scenery this season, I think, is might be the best of all the seasons, which is really saying something because the show has always been amazing with visuals. You can, you know, hate on the plot as much you as much as you want, and a lot of times I'll be there right there with you. But they do not mess up with the visuals <laughs> pretty much ever. Well, there's some cases. Overall, they get really high remark, marks on this. So we Varus, Masande, Davos, John, and Tyrion, and Danny all at the shore looking out at. You can see two dragons in the distance here. And there's another shot that we didn't pull that John is watching something happen. It's probably these dragons, but it might be Theon. Because we definitely see Theon coming ashore. And that's a big thing. What's next for Theon? I mean, my first guess for Theon is that, well, he knows Yara's probably still alive. And that's going to be his 
primary motivator is to kind of redeem himself, save her, and save her at the same time. And he doesn't have a lot to offer Danny as far as soldiers and anything else. So I don't know. What do you think? I'm not sure my thoughts. I haven't got my thoughts developed on that. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I, I also don't think it's going to be a big part of this episode because it seems like it's going to be more focused on the the battle and the alliances and other other locations. But Dion's in there. He's absolutely in this episode. So that's uh, he was in last episode for one scene though. You know, sure, it might sure. be similar this time too. I, but but he's going to he might meet John though, and that's another like. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like he's didn't actually kill Brandon Rickett, but he did sack Winterfell and kill like you know roger cassell and a bunch of other people so john can't be happy with him but he's daenerys's ally so he can't just like draw a sword and kill him or something <laughs> he doesn't even have his sword because danny's yeah. dothraki have it <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> he could choke him like he tried to choke Littlefinger. but yeah i think that'll be interesting another thing it's kind of hard to predict like how will john react he's got a he's got bigger fish to fry but he's <laughs> so john I, you know someone said theon john will make theon take the black <laughs> I, you know, we talked about that possibility. I think it might be in Jorah, you know, Jorah, especially if Jorah shows up. I kind of feel like Jorah's arrival of Dragonstone won't be this soon. But man, another, it'll be like Winterfell. So many different personalities that can interact yeah. with each other. It's super hard to predict what order they come in and how all that's going to work out. Dragonstone and Winterfell are uh, these key locations where there's all this uh, potential for drama. Pretty cool. Yeah, I wonder how those Ironborn, they, they seem very dissatisfied with Theon. I wonder if on any level they'll respect him as a leader. If he's just going to be this guy, maybe they just dump him off and we're out of here. You take Theon back. We're not following. Uh, it's not like she needs him anymore, but she she still wants to have good relations with the Iron Islands, even if yeah. even if there's, you know, only she's only got two ships left or something. <laughs> but I wonder if she'll have to deal with that other character and not Theon. If they uh, won't accept him, does that make sense? It's possible. It's possible. Even if she still accepts him, if they don't. And she may have to accept accepting this other guy also. And, and, and how okay would Theon be with all this, too? Would he stay on to help, recognizing he's not the best leader at the moment, you know? Yeah. The fact is, his his character is one of the, the deepest psychological yes. dramas going yes. on in a show. And uh, I, I feel like um, they can't possibly give him enough time to properly deal with that. And he isn't quite as intertwined with the major plot lines going up, but... He's an intriguing character, even if a frustrating character. So we'll just have to leave that open because it's really hard to predict what Theon's going to do and how it's going to play out. But hey, got uh, looks like 535 people at the up-to-the-moment count. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Make sure to hit that like button. Help get History of Westeros a little more noticed out in the world. There are so many great podcasts and shows out there covering Game of Thrones. We're so glad you guys chose us. I know a lot of you guys choose more than just us, and there's time for a lot. I certainly do. I listen to a lot of other shows. We're all a big community here. I've been encouraging everyone to tell 10 other people. And so next time we could have 5,000, right? <laughs> but don't tell 20 other people because we can't have over 9,000. <laughs> yes, still keeping alive hope for the De Sean dancing stream and or the 24-hour stream. <laughs> if we get 1,000, what is it, 1,000 or 6,000? I don't even know what the numbers are anymore. 1,000, we'll do with that. That would be... <laughs> we're not that far from 1,000 on our Monday streams. Yeah, we're I might have said I'll do a dancing video for 1,000. <laughs> You might and we'll have. do a 24-hour stream for 6,000. 6, I think 000. that was... 6,000. So we'll come bad. up with something different for 9,000. 6,000 is so many. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jinx Lear says, hashtag make Sean dance again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll all wear our MSDA hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I hope that because I'm hashtagging that. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, by the way. Dancing Sean. At Dancing Sean. Yeah, do it. Do it. Get, if, maybe that's another thing we can do. If we can get Sean to X number of followers, that'll be another way to get the uh, 
Sean hasn't been on Twitter very long. Only uh, like like a month now, month and a half. It might have been two months. It was the week before Con of Thrones. Okay, is when I got on Twitter. Cool. Okay, so let's move on with more Danny talk here. In, in the past, it's become clear why she hasn't been involved. Her Tyrion and Masande are like, nah, don't get out there and risk yourself. It's too it's too risky. But clearly, she's got to now. And this shot that really appears to be a dive bombing Drogon here that Ashea is going to pull up, it really seems like this is unambiguously a uh, a battle shot of some kind of her getting ready to launch herself. <laughs> it's just so whoa! Like this is. This is Danny in all her full battle glory, like we've only seen when she took out slaver ships. But this looks like it'll be more intense because the slaver ships were so helpless. And maybe these guys will be helpless too, but I have a feeling this is going to be a little more, a little stronger. Sean's Twitter is at DancingSean. I had a thought, by the way, about this battle. Earlier, we were talking about who would win this battle. If Cersei got news that they lost, it looks like they lost from the, the footage we're getting. But I wonder if it'll be a sort of a draw. I wonder oh, if sorry, I, hold on. Right. Jay Madden says, do a shirts off stream for 5000 <laughs> <laughs> Or he says, if we take our shirts off, they'll get to it. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it might drop the number. Lisa and I are both working on our push-ups. That's true. We do what we do. That's <laughs> true. Um, okay, sorry about that. Please continue with your <laughs> Danny's thoughts. So I wonder if this battle might be a sort of a draw. Like, in, in modern times, an Air Force can help win a battle. But an Air Force can't win a battle. You can fly your planes over and blow things up and shoot the soldiers, and then that's it. You just flew planes over. You didn't. You didn't capture. You can't the occupy a city with right. planes. You yeah. have to have troops on the ground. And Danny doesn't have a way to move her troops around. She has these Dothraki, but no ships. So she might fly out there with her dragons and burn all the Lannisters up. And then what? Yeah. She just still doesn't control Castle Rock. She still, or she, I guess she kind of controls Castle, but she doesn't control. Uh, King's Landing, much less Westeros, she just defeated this army in a field, but she didn't really quite win the battle. It might make things worse for Cersei if the gold doesn't get delivered. Maybe they'll have a contingent of Dothraki. Maybe they can get two shiploads. I'm, as I'm saying, this is piecing together in my mind how it could go down. Those two ships that come back with Theon. That might be enough to load up a, a platoon or whatever of Dothraki cavalry, which will make... Tyrion and the other advisors feel better about Danny flying out there. She won't be totally on her own. She'll have this contingency of a Dothraki force on the ground that maybe can seize the gold. Well, but still, it'd be hard for them to totally defeat this army and get the gold back. I'm not sure how it could go down. I, all I'm saying is I think this might be a stalemate, a stalemate victory at the end of this. It'll, it'll well, be a loss for one side, but not a win for the other. We have another image here released by HBO.com, and I think this, saying that this one tells a story is an understatement, and this kind of speaks to what you're saying. I think, you know, maybe speaking realistically, you might be right, but I think something, some sort of solution is going to appear. Just too much of the trailer shots seem to indicate that there's a lot of Dithraki in this battle, not just a couple of shiploads. Uh, this, as you can see here, this shot of Drogon on the ground looking extremely ferocious. There's clearly Dithraki in the background. You can see Arax, and you can see the the Dothraki faces. I think maybe it might even relate to something with John, or maybe I, we talked before about the possibility of Melisandre bringing ships over from Volantis or something like that. I It'd think some quick. solution is gonna. Yeah, I think that would be too quick. I think some solution will present itself, or they'll just dodge the logistics of it and have them ferry over her ships with her dragon, kind of two at a time, two Several ships ways, at a time, with yeah. the dragon kind of making sure Euron or somebody doesn't come in and, and sink those ships. Um, I think I think it's going to be a large army of Dothraki, though. You know, another piece on the board that hasn't been talked about in so long, I assume it's just been abandoned, but Stannis had a fleet. 
Yes, up at Eastwatch. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That could be in play too. That might be the ships that that John. Maybe that's why Danny and John's John's brings the ships down. He's like, well, you need ships. I'll. You gave me obsidian. I'll loan you these ships. You know, but it seems like pretty that. quick for that to happen to send someone up there to crew those ships to sail them back down to get the Dothraki across. I agree. Jamie <laughs> should get back to King's Landing before all that. I so. would think so, but but with one where clearly it's going to happen. One somehow it's going to happen. We, maybe it won't make sense, but the battle's going to happen. The trailer makes that abundantly clear. We'll just have to await the explanation and not worry about guessing at it too much. Okay, so of course this a lot of this is. The high garden loot, of course, is, seems to be the the real prize here. This is what they're trying to get back to King's Landing in order to pay the Iron Banks, so that the Iron Bank will continue to support them and certainly not be against them, which is also yeah, <laughs> their worst yeah. case scenario. And so, if we take this shot here that Ashea is pulling up, these wagons on the move, Jamie and Bronn watching. This is another just fantastically beautiful shot. I mean, damn, that is beautiful. This episode could totally stink, and I would still be super impressed with these visuals. I mean, that's just so awesome. I love it. And so, this is obviously a lead up to the battle. This surprise isn't during it or after it. <laughs> I wonder if this is part of a crossover with Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does look very westworldy doesn't it with all those distant peaks and the, the clouds and the district yeah that is that with the shrub bare sh you know uh, kind of dry landscape and everything yeah i love it can't wait so we've been calling this showdown the field of fire because of the historical parallel and there's a lot to say about how it might relate to this one of my predictions for a while has been that danny's gonna burn a tarly or two because of the parallel to king mern who was extinguished his line the green hand kings who were you know a founding family in westeros one of the most important families in all of westeros that are now extinct was ended there at the field of fire now the tarlys aren't going to end at the field of fire because sam is still out there so, but he may become the only tarly and i know you predicted maybe it'll just be randall maybe dickon will survive and he'll have a thing with sam I don't know. I'm a little dubious of that because of the show having limited time, but I think that would that would be a. I would prefer that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we've already discussed that possibility, so I don't know if we need to do that again. Even if Randall and Dickon were killed and Sam was left, <clears throat> Sam's not supposed to have any kids. He's got two. Right, Maesters are supposed to also take similar vows, and like, yeah. he's like double. Head. Well, they've already pretended that that wildling kid is his. That'd be funny if a wildling child became the new head of House Tarly. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty <laughs> great irony. Boy, he would roll in his grave, although he <laughs> might not be in a grave if he's burned to a crisp. But still, I never thought I never thought of that. That would be amazing, a wildling head of House Tarly. But who doesn't know he's a wildling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of works, right? I mean, they're supposed to be huntsmen, you know, and the wildlings, like, they're not out there farming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, a few of them might be, but they're, they got to hunt to live. So that's pretty cool. I like it. I like it. I could see that. That's our prediction for how House Tarly finishes. You heard it here first. Now, maybe not. <laughs> you heard it here. Maybe not first. <laughs> <laughs> but here's another shot, by the way. Now, so this, this makes me think that a lot of these early trailer shots that we saw way back at the beginning, like before the season, like this one, which is just, Whoa, holy crap, look at Danny on her dragon and these massive Dothraki riding in. This gets me hype. I mean, this, this battle is going to be something because in those early, early trailers, those Dothraki were like jumping off their horses and doing all sorts of like, it's clear they hired some people with some real talent, some skill at riding horses. And this scene probably cost a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> And, you know, they do really good. Their battle scenes often lack tension and 
you know, sometimes they, they're more visual than they are interesting, but this looks like it's going to be really visual. And if it's even moderately interesting, well, then that's just going to be amazing. I don't know what to say about it as far as how it's going to work out. I think I'm, I'm with you. I could see it maybe being sort of a stalemate, but I think if she unleashes the Dothraki, it's going to be, it could be like a, she wins the battle, but now it's just done everything to her reputation that she wanted to avoid. That right. she's unleashed this, this foreign barbarian invasion, <laughs> slaughtered the Tarleys and the Lannisters. and the... Like you said, it could be a stalemate, but a different kind of stalemate. Not that the battle is a stalemate, the result is a stalemate. Cersei has a huge setback for her, but politically it's a, it, it's a huge setback for Daenerys, even though she wins the battle. So like I could see it being like they'd both just take each other's legs out yeah. without, you know. So I, I see what you mean in terms of stalemate in that, in that sense for sure. Yeah, even with the Dothraki there, even if they find a way to ferry the whole army across, they can't siege King's Landing with a bunch of horsemen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean maybe they, they can. I don't know. I'm not they, sure. They might figure out a way to make that work. But yeah, I agree. There's, there's, there's problems with that. Having the Dothraki just sit there in a siege maybe wouldn't work out so great. Super Chat. Norma, what do you think is the importance of Baby Sam? Well, that, mm-hmm. that might be it. We may have just covered it. I'm not sure. Um, but, but I think Baby Sam is important. I think he may be... More important in the books in some ways, but, you know, without touching on that, as far as just the show, yeah, uh, I think that might be it. I think maybe that he'll matter in that regard. If you see both Dickon and Randall die in this episode or this season, I think that theory that baby Sam becomes the head of House Starley gets a big boost. Maybe he's even more important than that. Maybe that's what the Night King is after. Ah, well, he's really, <laughs> Night King's got a long way to go. Old <laughs> Town is way, way down there. <laughs> that would be funny. So, yeah, a lot of choices. We have King Aegon the Fourth Targaryen in the chat says, Baby Sam will be the king in the end. All right, the, the, the baby on the Iron Throne <laughs> at the end of the series. That would be pretty cool. Baby Sam is Azor Ahai. Huh, okay, sure. <laughs> I can see it. No, not really. But I like the idea. <laughs> okay. Now, let's... Uh, so, do you have any worries? We're, we're going to get some questions here in a minute. Some pre-selected questions that we have. Certainly still time for y'all to get in super chats or other regular questions that might get noticed. We're going to keep uh, the, the questions going for a while and cut off the official end of this fairly soon. So, what about worries? I'm not worried about Jamie too much, because like I said, we already kind of discussed that. I think, like, he's got some plot armor. I think even if the battle is totally lost, he gets captured or something. And we... Oh, you know what? I totally forgot we had this image of, of from the from the, the trailers of him doing his kind of charge. Thing. Yeah. So that's probably this battle. You know, it seems very likely, given what we've seen, <laughs> unless there's a very similar battle, also with the Thraki and Lannisters, really unlikely, right? Um, so this might be... If it's not his death charge, it's his I get captured charge. I feel like that's what's likely, which sets up him maybe being getting to interact with Tyrion later. You know, yeah. he's captured, which is pretty huge. Him interacting with Danny would be interesting, and that's him an interacting ab- with John would be a, a, all sorts of yeah. I kind of, <laughs> remember Jim? Remember him taunting John back in like episode two? Like, thanks for protecting us, and he like pulls him and like yeah, just. Totally makes fun of him, and yeah. the more I think about it, the more that's what I really want to happen. Oh my god, I want I want Jamie to be captured and taken back to Dragonstone. That would be so awesome. <laughs> Question from uh, Super Chat from Rob Normandin: You think they can fight the Night's King while Cersei is in power to the rear? I think it's possible because, like John said, the North is really hard to invade. It's really hard to invade. They might not have a choice. And especially if it's snowing, you know, like yeah. it makes it even harder to invade. They might not be able to do it successfully. 
but they might not have a choice. They may about have it. to, yeah. Yeah, even if Cersei can't come up to the north to challenge John, John still wants the armies that Cersei has. John still needs the Dornish and Tyrell armies. Yeah, and 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 also, I mean, if they just right, if they just lose this battle, like what are they? What army are they going to be invading the north yeah. with? Like they, something else that's important to point out that. I think that we got a little off on something that I we talked about last uh, during the week, which is Jamie, the whole Jamie and Tyrion situation. I went back and, and refreshed myself on that, and I think I got the book and show crossed over a little bit. Jamie was always on Tyrion's side with regards to the murder of Joffrey. He at no point really believed it. So if there's difficulty between Jamie and Tyrion, it's because Tyrion killed Tywin uh, or because of Cersei muddies the water. But Jamie, this wasn't some clarification by Olena. It's he found out who did it. He didn't know who did it, but he didn't think it was Tyrion at any point. So I don't know that this moves the needle for Tyrion and Jamie to get getting back together. However, it does maybe make it may have the opposite effect. All these things Cersei's been saying is like it's just us. Everyone's our enemy. You know, we, you know, she's been the one who's been opposed to the Tyrells this whole time. She was like Jamie and and Tywin were like, no, we need to make peace with the Tyrells, make them our allies and not infight. It just justifies everything Cersei's been saying all along. And it might yeah. just be like, Jamie might be like, look, Cersei was right. Like, the Tyrells murdered Joffrey. Like, they were going to be our ally, and this is our ally? So it might just mean, prove that Cersei's paranoia is coming from a place of correctness. So, I don't know. So I'm starting to think the exact, have the exact opposite reaction I had before to that scene about with Olena and what it might do. It's still Olena poisoning him, in a sense. Yeah. But it's the it's not a poison that separates him from Cersei. It's a poison that might make him more part of Cersei. It makes him tighter. Of course, that all gets thrown apart if Jaime's in, uh, captured. You know, then right. that, that changes everything. So still, very big deal. I, I really... It's, it's pretty hard to say. It definitely was a very full moment, that that speech that Olena gave and Jamie's reaction to it. I, I also have been stewing on it through the week and also uh, realized or remembered that Jamie wasn't necessarily mad at Tyrion for that in the first place, which set me again thinking about what was going through Jamie's mind there because he didn't have this like, you know, sudden angry reaction. It's not like he suddenly did want to make Olena suffer you know what i yeah, mean he yeah, definitely yeah. drew into himself and seemed to be thinking deeply and reevaluating things and even if the way i interpreted that at first was wrong i still wonder what it was i wonder what he was what was going through his mind there we have some questions from patrons that i i loaded up from ahead uh, of schedule here we have from devin c iron bank is supposed to be against both slavery and dragons if the gold does reach king's landing how would they support cersei and if not would they really side with daenerys well, I think if they if if the gold gets there, they'll they'll support Cersei and and you know they'll continue to fund her uh, and help her in any way they can with finances, which of course finances are huge. Gold wins wars, is assuming there's soldiers for her to hire. If the doesn't reach there, if Cersei's broken, I the reaction they want to get their money back, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It would be really hard for them to support Danny in any case, and uh, because of that. Well, it's a little easier if Danny gets the money. If not only Cersei doesn't get the money, but Danny does get the money. That's a good point. They may just support. They may just support Danny, even though they hate slavery and they hate dragons. They may just do it because, well, they love money even more than they hate slavery and they hate dragons. And that's the, if that's the only way for them to get paid, they may just be like, "Well, this is the only way we get paid." Well, why? Why is hating slavery a reason to not support Danny? Isn't Danny also fighting against slavery? 
Yeah, but she broke the. No, I'm saying they they uh, they hate slavery in the books. It's kind of. But remember in the in that scene. Oh, I see. So what you're saying it, in the show kind of they imply that her ending slavery has made things worse for them. Yeah, I see. Because of the downturn in the economy, it isn't necessarily directly related to the slave trade. Like they were invested heavily in the slave trade, but the, that part of the economy collapsing would affect them, even if they weren't directly involved. I could see that being interpreted in a bunch of different ways, and I don't think it's enough to make them not want to support Danny, especially if it means they get their gold, slash have a stable leader, slash whatever, you know. Super chat from Dornish Dan. Hey, Dornish Dan, thanks for joining us today. He says, tuned in late, so this may have been asked. What are chances Benedict Varus is a spy giving Danny's plan to Cersei and or Euron? Okay, there's, uh, we've, we definitely have talked about this a few times, not just today. I do think there's a chance. There's some problems with it, though. How the heck is he communicating with anybody? He's on an island. Is he sending secret ravens? You know, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. But that's awkward. You know, that's an awkward solution. He, maybe he's sending messages on small ships or something. But that's I mean, awkward if, too. If we don't think that he can send ravens to be spying or betraying or whatever, then he also can't send ravens to keep up with information about what's going on around. That's true. So, so he's probably sending ravens. You're yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. So I do think there's a chance. Maybe not. I don't think it's like 50-50, but I absolutely think it's a non you know, forgettable. In the past percentage. week, I went from 1% to 10%. Yeah. I, I, maybe 10% feels about right to me, too. Maybe 10 and we'll, we'll Maybe we'll adjust those odds after this episode. Although I feel this this episode maybe is, has a lot a lot going on in it that may not involve Varus. And this, yet, again, the fact that Varus has little to do is part of my suspicion. So, If you get a chance to go back and listen to the beginning of the Dornish Dame, we did talk about it quite a bit. A lot of different angles it might go and reasons it might be. That is true. So appreciate the question. <clears throat> We have more questions in the doc here, and we'll get to here in just a sec. Oh, here's Andrew Gilbert's question. Will we see Howland's moving castle? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Greywater Watch is a moving castle. It's like on a big, giant log platform or something like that in a marsh, and so it moves. Uh, I don't think we'll see the castle, but I think we might see Howland Reed. Again, we, we mentioned earlier in the season it was very suspicious that Mira mentioned him by name, and now Mira's just sitting there at Winterfell with so many other characters that are more, more quote unquote, more important than her that are going to take up all the screen time. So they may have her go off. She'd be like, Hey, I'm out of here. One line of dialogue. I'm out of here. I'm going to go get my father or go see him. And that would like, Oh, that would be a really huge one line of dialogue. So I think we don't see the castle, but I think good chance we do see Howland Reed. Um, much higher chance that we see, well, obviously, if we see the castle, we're going to see we're going to see them both. <laughs> but it wouldn't be, would be crazy to see the castle. I mean, they were able to show us Casterly Rock and High Garden, and it's true. A, you know, an image from the distance, and then I hope I top. hope we see it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I'm not holding out hope for it, but I am hopeful anyway. Okay, um, yeah, still got over. We got look around 550 people in the chat. Thanks everybody for sticking with us. We're going to be covering more questions here. Lord Brandon Brewer of Castle Blackrune. My prediction for the show. I think one benefit of John leaving Ghost at Winterfell will be the shock value when Danny finally gets to see John's magically enhanced sidekick. Kind of like how it went for John being kind of thrown off by Drogon, being like, whoa, being impressed. It'll be maybe not quite as powerful as a flying dragon, but a giant direwolf that, you know, at John's command is something. You know, that's still like magical ish and intimidating. And of course, like, Someone like Tyrion, he, he Brandon Brewer mentions Tyrion would also be startled because he's seen Ghost, but Ghost should be considerably larger now. <laughs> and so this is, uh, yeah, this is something that kind of make a little parallel between the two, like them impressing each other with their, you know, magical heritage or something. Yeah. It might also be, um, 
don't know, the impact may linger a little longer. Like, Drogon kind of suddenly was right there and scared him, and he jumped down, and then he's flown a mile away, you know? Yeah. Whereas the direwolf's going to keep being there, growling and staring, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Hopefully not growling, but just definitely there. <laughs> if, if if Ghost starts growling at Danny, watch out, because his direwolves are supposed to be able to sense danger, and uh, I wouldn't expect that. <laughs> but Danny would be, watch out, Danny's going to pull out a Littlefinger's dagger and try to stab <laughs> you, John. Watch out, watch out. Okay, so again, reminder, we have not watched the leaks. No, none of that. No leaking here. But we are happy to get more Super Chats. Here we go. Aegon Snow. On a side note, do you think HBO should adapt Dragon Riders of Pern? And would you guys do videos of it once Game of Thrones ends? Well, that is a side note, isn't it? <laughs> I read Dragon Riders of Pern as a kid. Uh, I do have a, a fondness for Dragon Riders of Pern. I've read some of the follow-up short stories that have been placed in it. And in a, one of those collections that, well, I can't remember which one it was, one of the collections that has one of the Dunkin' Eggs had a, a new Dragon Riders of Pern story that I read, and I enjoyed it. It kind of threw me, reminded me of that. Um, given all the trending towards adapting f- classic fantasy novels, I feel like someone has already considered this, and it might be out there. It would make a pretty good TV show. Um, I don't know if HBO would do it. They've already done dragony, something dragony, and that might be a little too... Well, one thing that I've learned... Is it almost anything out there that you think of, oh, it would be neat if they did blah, blah, blah. There's a script. There's a script for it. It's being <laughs> passed around Hollywood. People are trying to decide. They're trying to cast, get directors, and raise money. I'm telling you, anything you can think of, someone's got a script for it out there. And it doesn't mean it will happen. It Sometimes, depending on the budget, the enthusiasm of the person behind the script, copyright issues, on and on and on. But I guarantee you, somewhere out there. There's a script for Dragon Riders of Perns being passed around, whether it gets made or how long it takes. Who knows? <laughs> I see a, qu- uh, a comment from Cartez. Forget Valyrian steel armor. Give me some plot armor. You're right. Plot armor <laughs> is the best armor of all. It defeats any form of armor. The best thing about plot armor is you can be totally naked and be just as safe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're right. Jamie and John and Danny all should be naked for now on. <laughs> I also see something that made me laugh out loud, which you heard me do. I see uh, from Elise in the chat, Aziz just got Alexa's attention randomly. Hashtag whoops. That's funny. <laughs> I need to remember that. Alexa, play <laughs> Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. <laughs> Did that work on anyone? I hope so. <laughs> I just Rick rolled you all through in a new, a new exciting way. I hope. More questions. Brandon Brewer had a follow-up comment here. I'm pulling for Arya to wear Littlefinger's face and use it to order the Vale army to do her bidding. That is hilarious. I, uh, he also says, I just hope we get a full confession to his crimes before he's killed. And, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that's not out of the realm of possibility. But I, I could really see that happening. That would be really funny to have Arya just be Littlefinger. Like, wait, no, it's me, Arya. Don't. Nope. She'd be worried that someone's going to come after her because, hey, I'm Littlefinger. I could be killed at any moment, but I'm not actually Littlefinger. <laughs> Just warn people. That would be amazing. Very amazing. All right. Next comment. Next question from Fat Donkey. The attack on Cashley Rock in the show reminds me of Stalingrad in World War II in a broad sense, as it was mostly a symbolic political goal and it ended up trapping the invading forces' best troops there. That certainly sounds like yeah. a strong parallel yeah. just on the surface. Very good, very good. I wonder if, this is still Fat Donkey's question, probably more in the books, but possible in the show, Danny's invasion might parallel other historical invasions of Russia, i.e. the army ends up being trapped slash defeated by winter. Cough. White walkers. That, yeah, absolutely. Certainly many, many armies, including Napoleon's and Hitler's, were defeated by winter as they tried to 
you know, defeat Russia before winter came on and it didn't work out. So there's certainly some room for parallels there. George R. R. Martin is very aware of a lot of famous historical battles. He's not going to not be aware of Stalingrad. Yeah, I think that works. It's a good comparison. Uh, Matthew Brown says, yep, my Alexa started playing it. <laughs> the Rickroll worked. Oh my goodness. You, I should, I have too much power now. I'm drunk with power. I'm just, I could just continuously yell at Alexa's through this. I, I should not have found this out. <laughs> this is dangerous. Dangerous, folks. Might be a I'm new gonna, installment of every podcast. I'm going to be getting you guys to order pizza and all sorts of <laughs> Um, okay. So from Red Ramirez Ravenhorn of Skagos, I hope. Melisandre learns more about the prince slash princess that was promised. Azor Ahai prophecy in Volantis. I hope she learns more about the Aziz Ahai prophecy <laughs> here in Roswell, Georgia, because that really needs to be explored. I need to know if if I'm the podcaster that was promised or just some dude. You need some Aziz hype. I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leaning towards just some dude. So we'll but we'll see. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, that's that's very possible. We've really definitely wondered what she's going to do back there. You know, I've given some thoughts based on the books, but they're not exactly major predictions from the books. The books don't have some big answer for this because obviously the books are behind the show at this point very majorly. So here's a question that you would know better being an expert on the books. The Sparrow was able to raise an army. Can the Red Priests raise? Do they already have an army? Are they militant in the first place? They should be able to raise an army. I mean, just like any order, there should be some that are militant, some that are, you know, more on the peaceful side. But R'hllor is not exactly the most peaceful religion. Fire and shadow. Yeah. And the Lord of Light, they're pretty kind of aggressive. So, and it's it's unclear, you know, I could say a lot about the book canon for R'hllor worshippers. That seems to be that there's a lot of them. You would think there's a lot of them in the East, too, in the show. So, yes, that is absolutely set up as a possibility. I think that maybe that could be a hidden weapon that could be used against the, you know, the army of the dead. If you get a bunch of rabid R'hllor worshippers sent up against the whites, that could help, you know, that could work out. They'd be happy to bring their torches and set whites on fire and do all that, spreading fire to, I mean, they'd love that, right? Running around setting fire to things. That's, sounds like fun for them. John needs to get your own ships on his side. Launching those <laughs> fire catapults into the white Wow, waters. that's amazing. Yes, Especially they if do. they are trying to come around the water. Oh, man, that would certainly sink the, uh, sink, <laughs> sink that uh, walking around the, yeah, walk around the wall plot would totally be ruined by Euron. Yeah, that's a good call. Well, in that case, let us call it an end. Thank you, everybody. We ran about two hours. That's awesome. We're going to only have the the first hour is going to be up on podcast form sometime tonight. So those of you who are catching this later, you can see the full version here on YouTube if you wanted to catch the questions as well. Again, thanks to Ashea for running production. Thanks to Sean for being an awesome co-host with an awesome beard and we don't do patreon credits on this episode because we're trying to keep it really quick but i did grab a few people off the list for fun like i've been doing lately because i love giving shout outs to these names thanks also to michael clarfeld for the video intro outro and to joey townsend and jesse Kowal for the theme music oh marcus tarley aka marcus swain aka Bass player, singer extraordinaire for the Danny and the Targs, who we again were listening to as we were setting up our equipment, getting us all hype for this episode. Thanks, Marcus. I think they're my most listened to band for the past month. It's definitely the case for me and Ashea. <laughs> we have had them on repeat. Very awesome. Check them out, by the way. I keep saying it. It's really, really worth your time. They're hilarious and catchy songs and uh, on-point lyrics. 
dealing with Game of Thrones. You'll love it. All right, guys. Uh, so also thanks to Archmaster June of the Wicklow Hills, healer of the Lesser Poxes. Jerry, the Targaryen Steamboat. Sabrillion, heir to the Nettle Vault Tomes. Direwolf of the Rainwood. And Sir Brian, Big Nacho Merriweather. Thanks, everybody. We will see you on Monday uh, to discuss the spoils of war. Enjoy the big battles and the meetings at Winterfell and whatever else we're just not aware of that's coming up. And thank you all for not leaking and being a part of a leak-free stream. <laughs> <laughs> Valar Releakus. <laughs>